0: You're
1: listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory.
0: turn to uh, the book of Ephesians where we are right now. This is Kingdom Living. This is our series as we're working systematically through Ephesians. This, as we've heard over the last three weeks if you've been here, was an open letter written by Paul who had been in Ephesus for three years but now was in Rome in prison and he's writing to the churches in that region, not to one specific congregation but to the churches in the region of Ephesus And really encouraging them to be all that they can be. It's a letter in simplicity about the church bringing the kingdom of God. And that's why we're calling it, This is Kingdom Living. You know, I think often we underestimate the power of the church. I love what J. John has to say. We're going to watch a little clip. You might have seen this uh, originally on TBN. Uh, This is J. John talking about how he introduces himself. This is kingdom living, and so J. John you know, shares just the impact of the church this, uh, this time. Last week, Dr. John Andrews. Was here and, and unpacking in this service uh, the distinction really well between kingdom and church. The church is God's chosen, called out people. The people that have come to know the grace of God. That are called to be separate from the world in the way that we live. And yet active into the world, bringing the kingdom. The, the first three chapters of Ephesians lay the foundation of this church. Those that have been chosen before the foundation. Foundations of the earth, those that have been adopted as sons into the family, those that were lost but have been redeemed those that have been enlightened, those that have been sealed by the Spirit, those who've been saved by grace through faith. All this incredible revelation, those that are loved by God, that would know how long and high and wide and deep is this love that surpasses knowledge. These are the verses that we've read. And he finishes chapter three saying, and now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine through his power that is at work in us, to him be glory." in the church. What incredible words. This church, this body, this people. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are the church. Why do you say, I am the church. church. Turn to the person next and say, you are the church. church. And the church is called, I didn't say to say anything else. This always happens, it breaks out into anarchy. um, But the church called out, but to bring the kingdom, but what is the kingdom? Well, the kingdom is his rule and his reign, the king's ways, the king's love, the king's grace, the king's manifesto, the king's topsy-turvy way of doing things that isn't about self, but about others. The things that, that humbles rather than exalts and calms and brings a different message to a broken world. Ultimately, the hope of Jesus. And we are the bringers of the kingdom. You know, incredibly, if you, if you actually look in Acts 19 and the three years that Paul was in Ephesus, the place where he's now writing to, and it says, in that time, all the Greeks and Jews heard the word of the Lord. Wow, in the province of Ephesus. In other words, everybody heard the gospel. There was nobody left who didn't hear the message of Jesus somehow. Wow, that's the church bringing the kingdom. It says that during that time, God did extraordinary miracles. Not just miracles, but extraordinary miracles. And it says, even Paul, though, like his aprons and handkerchiefs, they got taken to people, they got healed. People that were oppressed by the devil got delivered. Such was the impact of the church. And it says, the name of Jesus was held in high honor. There was such an outstanding miracle of a a demonized sorcerer that it says the fear of God hit the community. Not the church, the whole community. It says all the Jews and the Greeks, God, check it out, Acts 19. It says, were in fear and held the name of Jesus in high honor. Not all of them believed, but they respected the name of Jesus. Wouldn't it be an awesome thing if in our city, the name of Jesus was held in high honor? That's one of the prayers of my heart. God, do something so awesome impact so many lives, bring your grace and your healing and your power to so many families and streets that everybody would respect the name of Jesus. Whether they believe yet or not, nobody would take your name in vain because your name would be held in high honor. It says that there was such a turnaround of those that were involved in sorcery and occult. They had a massive bonfire where everybody brought their paraphernalia and they burned it. And it says the value was 50,000 drachmas which if you translate in today's money, it's about five million pounds worth of stuff was burned. That's the kingdom coming. That's the kingdom coming. And we might not understand this language well. The, the best picture I can conceive, even though it's weak and it's flawed, is the time of the Roman Empire. The, one of the reasons it's flawed is that the Roman Empire increased by force. The kingdom of God comes by love and by grace. But in the times of Rome, Rome was the the most significant city in the world. And at its height, the Roman Empire had influence across 20% of the world's population. But it wasn't just that that there was territory taken, it was that the ways of Rome were brought into those places. The culture of Rome was brought into those places. Roman centurions were placed in all of those places. And even in our country, we would talk about Roman settlements and Roman roads. The infrastructure was built according to the wisdom of Rome. Latin was taught in those countries, the language of Rome, the culture, the currency, the laws, the ways of Rome disseminated. Now, ultimately, it was a kingdom of man, so it fell, but the kingdom of God is advancing and goes from strength to strength because his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. But in the same way, the church are the carriers of the ways of the king into the world. So where where you work this week, you are a carrier of the kingdom the ways of God, if you can bring hope to somebody, if you can speak a word of love or encouragement, if you can pray for a sick person, if you can help someone in need, you are bringing the kingdom where you are, though you are part of the church. Hello? We understand this? And what happens is, is Paul writes that what we understand chapter 1 2 3 these incredible revelations of who we are of what God has done for us his his eternal plan that he accomplished in Christ Jesus that the church would bring the manifold wisdom of God to the powers and authorities in the heavenly realms things that are beyond our understanding things that we can only conceive by revelation and then he does what he does in nearly all of his letters there's a switch it's as if he clears his throat. He unpacks these incredible truths. That, that, and he says, and I'm praying for you, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Oh, that you'd get this. Because he knows you can't get it by understanding. You receive it by revelation. And then he clears his throat and says, mm, now then, about Tuesday afternoon. You know, and now then, about your marriages. Now, isn't it awesome you were chosen in him before the foundation of the earth? Now let's talk about work. And there's this switch, there's this hinge, and it comes right here where we are today as we move from now to him who's able to do immeasurably more at the end of chapter 3 into chapter 4. And he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. And then starts to get really practical as to what that looks like. And that's the shift we're going to make today. Going to invite Nicholas to come and read chapter 4, verses 1 to 16 for us. Why don't you welcome Nicholas as he comes to read the scriptures to us. Thank you. If you've got a Bible or device, why not turn where you are. Ephesians chapter 4, this is verses 1 to 16.
1: As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there and by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of the people in their deceitful scheming
0: In this page-turning moment of chapter four, uh, Paul says, I urge you. I urge you then, in view of all of these incredible truths, to live a life worthy of the calling. The New King James says, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. In other words, there is a response There's a response in our lives if we understand we were chosen, adopted, and redeemed. If we understand we've been saved by grace through faith, Paul says there is an implication on us to live lives worthy of the calling. He says, I urge you, I plead with you, I beseech you is other language. And he spells out numbers of things, but in these 16 verses, uh, there are three main threads that I want to bring to us today. You may have spotted them, unity, maturity, and ministry. Firstly, unity. One of the main threads that he urges of us is that we would hold to the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's this idea later on of, of supporting the ligaments, the whole body joined together. Again, it's a thread of unity. But Paul urges that we would make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit there is one body he says one spirit one heart one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all our first response is unity that might surprise you but i want to tell you this is of first importance unity matters more to god i think than we have yet grasped Jesus, John 17, prays for the disciples, prays for the believers that will follow through their message and says, and I pray, Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. He knows that kingdom living will come when we are united. He understands that kingdom living will come through us when we stand together, united in the things of God when we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is why here we're, we're so passionate about kingdom partnership. It's one of our our main characteristics. You know, we, uh, a few years ago as elders here, we wrestled and grappled with our vision, with our plan, with our purpose, with our strategy. But when we came to some language of our personality, what makes us a little bit different to some other congregations. Uh, And we said, there are three things you're not gonna get out of us. A passion for the presence of God. We carry a passion for the presence of God. You know, if if you came to us and said, you're always going on about the presence of God, we're going to say yes and we're not going to stop. And if you've got a problem with that, you're in the wrong church because we're going to carry on passionately pursuing the presence of God. We say we're, we're a church that's passionate about courageous faith. We believe God wants us to grow and go from faith to faith, to trust Him who is able. We're going to keep pushing the boundaries. We're going to keep trying to, trying to stretch ourselves and trust this awesome God to do incredible things. Courageous faith. But also we identify kingdom partnership is a value that is so dear to our hearts as leaders. You're not going to get it out of us. Kingdom partnership, unity. It's why we delight to work with other congregations in the city. You'll often hear us say, we are believing by the grace of God, in partnership with other churches, to see the kingdom of God come. Never about CLM, always about the kingdom of God. We thank God for this congregation, this family, but we're passionate about kingdom partnership. You know, Esther and myself, we give a lot of our time to relational unity, to praying with other leaders in the city. We see it as incredibly important. We seek to honor and value and partner. Brothers and sisters in Christ whose preferred style of worship may look and feel different to ours, but are Christians and hold to the tenets of the Christian faith. It's why, where possible, we seek to partner with others in outreach in the city. And over the last five years since us being here, we've not birthed any outreach CLM ministry, but we've got on board and we've joined in partnership with others to bring ministries into the city. What a great thing in our city Our city is an incredible example. Speak to other people around the United Kingdom. Very few cities where this level of partnership is happening, where the churches are gathering together to say, how can we reach the city together? And so many projects, many of you are involved in different projects, Coventry Winter Night Shelter, getting the homeless off the streets in partnership with others. Street pastors helping the vulnerable on Friday and Saturday nights out in the streets of our city. Healing on the streets, praying for, for people who have got sickness. What a great testimony it was the other Sunday when that young lady came in who'd been healed out of a wheelchair. The, the day before, by a couple, of our, our pray, a couple of our ladies praying for her in Jesus' name as part of that ministry. Carriers of hope, working to help refugees, food bank. Supporting those in need. The CAP, Coventry Debt Centre. Helping people in debt come out of debt. Good neighbours reaching out to the elderly. Hope for justice. Bringing those that have been human trafficked out of modern day slavery. Being rescued and released. Embrace helping women who work in the streets. Radio Plus, bringing the gospel through the medium of media. Other events and projects like Thy Kingdom Come that we're involved praying with now. An Anglican initiative, us saying, let's join with it. What a great thing that we can pray together with Christians throughout the earth. The Higher Tor joining with the Message Trust. All of these partner ministries, unity, together, saying, God, would you help us to stand together? And Whether it's financial, practical, or relational support, we're involved at one level or another with all of these ministries. And let me say this, your giving makes a massive difference. Many of of these ministries, in some way, we have supported financially. Some of them we give to month in, month out, consistently to help them work. And it's part of the expression of our ministry. Hasn't got our badge on it. But you know, unity also means our relationships closer to home. Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced meeting someone who is also a believer for the first time and feeling like you've known them forever. Yeah. Now, I've been in other places in the earth, people that I've just met for two minutes, but I know that they love Jesus like I do. And it's as if we're, we just know there's that sense of being brothers or being sisters in Christ. Some people I'll probably meet this week and will immediately be joined. The unity of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings a unity. The Holy Spirit joins our hearts. I mean, look at us. What an eclectic mix we are here. You know, over 40 different nationalities in our congregation. Every walk of life, north to 90s church, but joined by the Spirit, the unity of the Spirit to be one body in Jesus. A foretaste of heaven. This is what it's going to be like. It's going to be multicolored in heaven, isn't it? but one culture, a kingdom culture. He says, keep every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's a strange phrase, and I've tried to understand it as I pray through this week, and I've come to understand that there's a binding that joins us together when the peace of our unity in the Spirit is felt. But you know what? It's also true. Even though the Spirit gives that unity, it can be lost. We can mess it up. We we can lose that bond of peace. You know normally when you're out of relationship with somebody, when maybe you've been a bit brusque with somebody or a bit clumsy with somebody, or a bit rude to somebody, or they've been rude to you, and it jars, something jars, you lose the peace of the Spirit. But Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This means that if that happens, we have to do something about it. I can remember in the church we served in, in Nottingham, there was a lady uh, that was in the congregation. We knew each other relatively well, not incredibly well. And I asked her to be involved in a certain area of ministry. And uh, and I understood from what she said that she was going to do. And it was a huge relief to me because we needed some help in this certain point. And just when it came to the point of delivery, she pulled out. Now, it wasn't great on her part, but I got to say, I'm not proud of it, that my response wasn't great either. I was frustrated, and I allowed her to know that I was frustrated. Do you know what I mean? I can't remember exactly what I said, but the tone of my heart, my annoyance, my frustration, I allowed it to show. It was carnal. It was ugly. It was bad, but it happened. Uh, and I, I, I remember I deliberately allowed, I should have treated it with more grace. And I failed to do it. But do you know what happened? And then when I saw her next time, it was like, oh, no, it's her. I knew. It wasn't like, oh, I don't like you. It was like, oh, no, something's not quite right. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever felt that? I saw her coming. I kind of turned the other way, found someone else to talk to. Hello, hello. Because I just, I knew things weren't all well. I got a slight disturbance in my spirit that things weren't as they should be. as she felt it. And, and after a little while, I thought, I need to deal with this. I should have dealt with this straight away, but I needed to deal with it. And I, I went to her, and we'll call her, we'll call her Mary. Uh, and I said, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I said a real name in the first service, but someone by that name was sitting on the front row. So I tried to avoid that. I, I, anyway, it wasn't this Mary. We'll, we'll call her Jane. And I went up to her and I said, oh, I said, Jane, hi. I said, look, I don't know if you've noticed, but it it feels like things are not all right between us. And she was like, yeah. And I said, I I could be wrong, but it feels like it's probably since that conversation that we had. And she said, yeah. I said, look, forgive me. I said, "I, I lacked grace. I was frosty. I was carnal. And I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? She said, yeah, yeah, of course, I'll forgive you. I said, look, let's go have a coffee. We went out of coffee and we had a chat. We unpacked it. And I asked her to forgive me and she asked me to forgive her. And we joined hands and we prayed together that God would be at work in our midst. And do you know what? Our, our relationship became stronger as a result of that than if it hadn't happened. I'm not saying that make it an excuse to fall out of whack with people and put it right. But, but the grace of God is such I don't know if you've got any relationships like that, but there's an urgency here. Make every effort. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 5, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember your brother has something against you, please leave it. I don't want that gift yet. Do what is right for us. Go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and bring your gift. to You know, some of us, we bring our gifts to the altar. We put into the offering, or we raise our hands in worship. Meanwhile, we're out of whack with someone relationally, and Jesus said, "Please don't like. I'd rather you stop singing that song, get your hands down, walk across the room, go and repent, be reconciled, and then carry on in your worship, because it's got a bad fragrance in the house of God." Wow. Matthew 18:15, Jesus says, "If your brother has offended you, go to him and talk to him just between the two of you." Just between the two of you. Say it with me. Just between the two of you. It's really important. This is a really important kingdom principle to maintain in the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is no room for third party offense. Let me explain what I mean. You see, if I, if I, let's say I am rude to Mary at the end of the service. I'm just feeling a bit stressed out and, and I kind of brush her aside and, and, and I say something I shouldn't say in the moment. And then, you know, she, she goes and finds Olivet and you say, you'll never believe what happened this morning she wouldn't do that, but, but you know, imagine she did, just for the sake of the illustration. She wouldn't believe what, what mine said to me at the end of the service. Oh, I can't believe it. That's outrageous. That's unbelievable. I'll I'd, I'd I'd, I'd tell you what, let's go tell Rebecca about it. Can't believe what the pastor did. Calls himself the pastor. Can't believe it. Sean, did you hear what happened? Did you, did you hear what he said? It's now got, it's actually got it increased, hasn't it? And he also said that, and he said that, and, and you know, he needs to sort his hair out. And you know, it's like, and, and then I come to Mary and I go, Mary, I'm so sorry. I was a bit pressurized. I was out of order. I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. Please forgive me. Mary go, Oh, of course I forgive you. Let's pray together. We're all good. Reconciled. But over here and over here and over here, Unless I track down and who did you talk to and who and who and who and if anybody's got a problem with me or if anybody's heard of anybody who had a problem with me please forget which by the way is true Jesus says go and just between the two of you Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And I urge us as a church to keep healthy church where the blessing of God is. That if we're going to live kingdom living, we're going to live like this. This is important. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Do what? Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Let me also just make a point here that there is a strength of charge that would surprise us. The the Greek verb, uh, spoudizontes, means spare, no effort. There's a real urgency about it. The theologian Marcus Barth said this is hardly possible to render exactly the urgency contained in the underlying Greek verb. Not only haste and passion, but a full effort of the whole person is meant. Their will, sentiment, reason, physical strength, and total attitude. Wow! Wow! This is what it's saying. Make that level of effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That we keep our relationships as they should be. Because it's only through that we will truly be the church that lives in kingdom living and changes the world for his glory. Let me say, if I have offended you in any way, do come and let me know so that I can ask you to forgive me. And I can put those things right. And if we have such a long queue at the end of the service that I miss my flight, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just phone Pastor Dom and say, listen, we're keeping the unity of the Spirit <laughs> through the bond of peace. I'll see you on Wednesday. Because <laughs> these things are incredibly important. Now, secondly, uh, the, the second thread Paul calls for is maturity. He goes on to say that Christ has given grace and gifts to each of us, and there's an intriguing verse, verse nine, it says Christ ascended, which means he also descended to the lower earthly regions or depths of the earth. The early church fathers believed that this meant and the time between his crucifixion being laid in the tomb and his resurrection, that he went down to Hades and preached to the spirits and plundered hell. Well, Well, whether that happened, we don't know. There's an intriguing verse in in 1 Peter that suggests something happened, but it's a bit of a mystery in all honesty. Now most theologians would simply understand this to mean he, he ascended to the Father, having ascended from the Father to the lower earthly regions. In other words, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And he came to the lowest of the low. He received the sin of humanity. He descended as far as one can descend and has been exalted as high as one can be exalted. But really, this is an aside to the main point, because Paul says that this one who has ascended has given some, verse 11, to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. This is what we would call the fivefold ministry gifts of Christ, people that are called and anointed to equip the church. There's a recognition that a grace is on certain people. And we would believe as a leadership that these gifts are well and alive in the church of Christ today. That there are some called to be apostles, graced to bring breakthrough ministry, to to pioneer, to appoint, to plant churches, to birth ministries, to strengthen leaders and work miracles. There are those prophets who who move beyond the function of prophecy that we're all charged to move in but actually bring and hear the word of the Lord directionally to the church that exhort and warn and discern at a leadership level. There are evangelists with a special grace to lead people to Jesus for the first time and to stir up evangelistic fervor in the church and equip the church to soul winning. There are those teachers that can grasp the truths of the Bible and make them intelligible to the rest of us, those that can unpack the word with skill and understanding. There are pastors, the shepherds of God's flock, who care and tend and have a grace and a capacity to do so. We would be wary of those self-proclaimed, self-appointed ministry gifts who have no accountability and no authority. Apostle Janet and Prophet Bob, and, and you've heard of some of them, and yet there are those that are appointed, that are recognized by others, that are under authority. We must all be under authority, including all who lead a minister and held accountable. And there are those that are given to help and strengthen the church, here, as a leadership, we're very intentional about this, and we thank God for fivefold ministry gift connections. Now, Pastor Dom from Singapore, who I'm going to go and connect with this week, he brings an apostolic gift into our church. Our breakthrough ministry, he sat with us as leaders two years ago, and he'd just been in for a couple of days, and we sat as leaders, and we said, Pastor Dom, you'd have had some prophetic insights before you came here, but, you know, anything you need us to hear or challenge or question, just speak freely to us. And without drawing breath, he said, you've got three main problems said number one you're nearly at capacity in your morning service and you've got no plan to increase number two you've got a 25-year mortgage uh, and no plan to change that which is a really poor plan in the kingdom of God Uh, and number three you're woefully understaffed for what you're trying to do uh, and you'll lose momentum if you don't take a face step and deal with it I thank you for that anything else but do you know what? An incredible thing. None of these were new news. They were all things we knew, but it brought some incisive urgency. And We say, help us. What timing? How do we deal with this? And his apostolic incisive input said, these are your issues. This is what you need to do to break through apostolic input. Nick Resky, Nicholas Sarkis, who will come as prophetic voices, who believe will carry the office of a prophet, will come here in September. But we, we speak to them as leaders. We Skype, even though they're in Melbourne, Australia, and they speak and sense the season of the life of the church. They help us speak uh, into where we are at CLM, sensing things, discerning things, occasionally warning us. What an incredible thing to have that input Evangelists, people like Mark Ritchie who will come from time to time here and can, can wield the sickle, if I can say it like that, and, and bring people home to faith in Jesus and stir up a fervor. People like Dr. John Andrews who, who carries a, a world-class teaching gift can come and support us. That's why he comes about four times a year and we, said, we approached him. He came once and we said, look, how would you feel about partnering with us? Bringing your teaching gift into the house. If we're in a series, join with us. And if we're not, do your own thing. And what an incredible thing. And pastors, you know, people like Pastor Donald, who we believe is an Ephesians 4 pastoral gift in this house, has an incredible reach and coverage and capacity for people. I don't know, I don't know it's, it's, it's a supernatural grace from God but a gift to this church. But here's the thing with the fivefold ministry gifts. They're given by Christ not to be those that that are prominent, even though some of those gifts are prominent, but in order to do two things. And the first thing is to bring the body to maturity. It's To bring the body to maturity. You see, these gifts aren't really the pinnacle of the pyramid. They're the foundation of the pyramid. They're not at the front leading the charge. They're really at the rear guard equipping the the church for works of service into their world if it functions right. That we don't look to these people to do the work, but we receive the gift given by Jesus from those people to help us be all that we can be. But the first of two things is maturity, that we would all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow, just consider that for a moment. That we all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow! Hello? Can we say wow together? I mean, this is a wow. I mean, think about that. Let me ask, has anybody attained to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? So guess what? We are all still maturing. We are all still maturing. And two things are, are needed. Number one, we have to be planted. And number two, we have to yield. We have to be planted in a place where the environment is right. And part of that means that the input of the fivefold ministry gifts that we've just talked about are present to be in the environment where we can be made mature because that's why they're given. I can remember I became a Christian and, and, and soon after I moved to a church that had the influence of the five-fold ministry and I found myself in an arena where I could grow quickly. Getting planted in that place, not running around here, there and everywhere, not chasing after an anointing, not, not picking and choosing, not being lazy or careless about my attendance, but getting truly planted in an environment where those external factors were right for me to grow, planted, but also I needed to yield. I could have been in that environment and not matured because actually my heart is the internal factor that will determine whether I mature or not. Let me tell you, your maturity is your business. Why don't you say, and my, my maturity is my business. If you want to mature, which the Bible says we should, this is a life that is worthy of the calling and attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Only you can do that. Yeah. You need to be in an environment where you're helped, but ultimately it is the yieldedness of your heart that will determine that. And the same for me. The power of the sower says it's not so much the quality of the seed as the quality of the soil that really determines the harvest. Is my heart going to bring forth 30, 60, even a hundredfold return on what was sown in me? Meaning that if a man of God or a woman of God comes, a gift of Christ to the church and brings a word of the Lord, their seed that is released or God's seed through them to my heart can bring forth a harvest 30, 60, a hundredfold, but it depends on my heart. The yieldedness of my heart. And we are called to mature, and it's up to us. You see, my knowledge and my length of church life is not my maturity, but my conformation to Christ Himself. Let me say that again. It's not my knowledge or my length of church life that determines my maturity, but my conformation to Christ Himself, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When Christ is formed in me, I become mature. That's why I know some people who would call themselves Christians who've been on the journey for 50 years, but they've got maturity of a five-year-old. And there are others who've been Christian for five years who've got maturity of a 50-year-old because they've allowed Christ to be formed in them. And finally, ministry. These same gifts are given in order to bring us to maturity and also the Bible says, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. Or the New King James, to the work of the ministry. The Greek word diakonia means service or ministry, but it it really is to say this, that every one of us has a role to play. Every one of us has something to bring, Christ to work through. us. This is kingdom living that in your workplace, in your neighborhood, where you are. You know, I, I passionately believe in us playing our part inside organized church. You know, we get, if you're not on a, on a team road, to get on a team road to run serve, If you're not part of a team ministry and you can be, or a partner ministry in the wider city, if you can do that, do that. But don't be limited at those things. Understand that ultimately, you are your ministry. 24-7. And that our response to live a life worthy of the calling, we must keep to the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We must attend to our own maturity, but also recognise we are being prepared for works of ministry, works of service. You are the hands and feet of Jesus this week. Your life is the only Bible some people are going to read this week. You might be the only person who can bring a word of hope into a situation this week. You might have a prophetic word for somebody at the next desk in your workplace, and you can't even say to them, thus saith the Lord, but you can find a way of releasing the Word of God into their life. This is kingdom living. Works of service, works of the ministry, whether organized or organic. Because when we feed the poor, when we help the homeless off the streets, when we encourage, when we preach the gospel, when we... Carry Jesus, when we pray for the sick when we bring a word of hope the kingdom comes right there and ultimately this is what Paul is saying these ministry gifts are given to help us mature but also prepare us for works of service prepare us for the works of ministry and this run that we've read today finishes in verse 16 as each part does its work, you have a role to play You might think you're not worthy. Let me tell you, we're only ever a vessel. It's the best we can ever be. The best I can ever become before God is a vessel. That's all. Just if I could be a jug, if I could be a drainpipe for the love and the grace of God, that's all I can ever attain to. Less of me and more of Him, but works of service. Where you are, in your world, in your Life. What an incredible thought that God would use people like us. But I want to say today, who else? Who else? If not you, who? If not, if not us, who? If not here, where? If not now, when? You know, I, I'm, I've been embarrassed to say of these last eleven days, four of these knots on my little band of four of my neighbours. And I'm embarrassed to say, as I prayed for them every day, I felt a renewed passion to share Jesus with them. The Lord has given me insights into some of their lives and I've, I've found a love for them I didn't have before. And I'm embarrassed because I should have had that anyway. It's taken an initiative of prayer to stir something in me. But as my neighbours across the road from me and I've seen them this week, because I'm praying for them, I have a love for them and an urgency for them. But I have to say, if not me, who? And the same is true for you. This is the work of the ministry. Chosen in Him before the creation of the world, adopted as sons, saved by grace through faith, with a love of God that's beyond knowing. Yes, yes, yes. And our response is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. One of my favorite stories of the last two or three years in this house is one of our ladies who works as a nurse Meeting a, a family in her in her place of work in A&E, A and 10 a ten-year-old girl who had a, an incredible pain, an issue in her eyes that they were trying to diagnose, and and, and they they just made a great connection they ended up exchanging numbers you know there's a there's a limit to what you're able to do professionally and rightly but this this nurse and the family they made a connection exchanged numbers and she ended up phoning the family just to see how things were going and she ended up offering to pray over the phone for the little girl and the girl said yes I'd like you to pray she prayed in the name of Jesus and the power of God hit the girl on the other end of the phone and her eyes were instantly healed and she started screaming down the end of the phone like we been healed. the gone. pain, it's gone, it's gone and then this Muslim family came to church the next Sunday because the power of Jesus had impacted their world the parents trying to, trying to grapple with this trying to say to her we, we don't believe Jesus is God and the girl said well I'm telling you Jesus is God because he healed my eyes and I know wow kingdom come could be you this week Why not? Why not? Who can you connect with? Who can you pray for? Who can you share Jesus with? Prepared for works of service. This is Kingdom Living. Why don't we stand together? Let me ask you. Will you resolve to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace to repair any relational issue as far as you're able? Will you resolve to stay planted and rooted, to yield to Jesus and take your responsibility to become mature. And will you position yourself ready as a minister of Christ to shine his light in the darkness around you, to bring his kingdom, and to play your part for his glory. If you can say, I will, then say, "Amen." Amen. Lord, would you help us? Lord, we thank you. You choose people like us to be vessels thank you Lord that you've chosen us and adopted us and redeemed us but thank you also that you put us in a family in a place where we can grow and you work through us and I pray you'd help us Lord help us to keep and maintain the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace in this house that this would be a healthy environment because we live according to kingdom principles help us to grow in our maturity and thank you for those fivefold ministry gifts that help us And ultimately, Lord, would you help us to be your hands and feet? Let your glory come. Let your glory be revealed in us and through us, we pray.